The words faith, hope, and love form an important theological triad in the New Testament. They appear in Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, Corinthians, and Colossians. An agricultural analogy helps me understand the important relationship between faith, hope, and love. Think of faith as the plant, hope as the root, and love as the fruit. Faith springs forth from hope, and love is the visible proof of faith. The Apostle Paul saw evidence of all three in the Colossians and shouted, praise the Lord, three cheers for you. Would Paul say the same if he was writing a letter to you? Do you possess faith in Jesus Christ, eternal hope, and love for all? Is the fruit of the gospel growing in you? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello, and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian Davis, and we're always glad to have you with us. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. As fallen human beings, we usually err on one side or the other, but Jesus was all of both. What can we learn from the life of Christ about this delicate balance between grace and truth? Find out next as Ron continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to hear Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with part two of his message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. My, my point is simply this, that when you're going through a difficult time in the nasty here and now, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the hope that is laid up for us in the heavens is closer to us than we ever thought. It's that spiritual kingdom that he's building right here, right now, and we don't have to wait until we, we get to heaven as we, as we think about it. Uh, so we have faith, we have hope, and then there's love. Love completes the first triad. Love is the fruit of a faith in Jesus Christ that is rooted in the promises made and kept by him. Let me say that again. Love is the fruit of a faith in Jesus Christ that is rooted in hope. And what is that hope? Promises made and kept by Jesus Christ. The highest and most supreme ethic in the Christian life is love. We know that from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 where Paul argues that love, um, or rather that everything minus love equals nothing, right? He argues that in that great love chapter. Even Jesus elevated the ethic of love when he said this to his disciples in the upper room. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You say, well, what's so new about that? Well, sometimes some things become so old and so passe to us that you got to reintroduce it, and the old becomes new again. I got something new for you guys. <laughs> How about you love one another? Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And then he said this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow. When Paul heard about, hadn't been there, didn't know these people, but just the reputation they had at the church in Colossae was they have a love for all the saints. Uh, not to mention 
everybody in the world that may not be saints in the theological sense, that is in Christ through faith in Him. But you walked into that church, and one of the first things you noticed was, man, these people really do love each other. What a reputation to have. Some churches have the reputation of all they do is fight. The church at Corinth was that way. Paul had to address that in his first letter to the Corinthians because there were skirmishes and battles and all kinds of conflict going on. Not at Colossae. He says, what I've heard about you is you know, your, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and your hope and, and that yours is a church that really could be described as an oasis of love. Don't you want to go to a church like that where faith is real, where, where hope is vibrant and, and helps you in everyday life and where the love amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ is real? That's the first triad. Let me move on to the second triad. Remember, there were six terms here. Faith, hope, and love. The second triad, get this, gospel, grace, and truth. You go back to those verses, three through six, and you'll, you'll find he drops in the word gospel. He drops in the word grace. He mentions truth two times. Again, let's use our agricultural analogy. We said that uh, faith is the plant, hope is the root, love is the fruit, gospel is the soil, grace is the water, and truth, are you ready for this? It's the fertilizer and weed control, all right? Now, let's talk a little bit about the gospel. The rich soil into which our hope must be rooted is nothing less than the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. J.D. Greer is the new um, and current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's also the founding pastor and lead pastor of the Summit Church in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And he just came out with a brand new book titled Above All. And in his book, he urges us to elevate the gospel above all programs, above all preferences, above all politics, and above all priorities that we think are priorities in the church. He's making the case for the church to get back to the one thing, the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said of the Colossians here, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which came to you. Gospel means good news, doesn't it? You and I as believers in Jesus Christ, we, we are stewards. We are caretakers of the gospel in our generation. Let's not mess with that. Let's not fumble that. Uh, let, let, let's not get uh, sidetracked by, you know, sacred cow programs that have been in place for 65 years but aren't producing a result. <laughs> the program's not above the gospel. Or our preferences, our, our petty little preferences about music style and the color of the carpeting and other silly things like that. Don't let that be above the gospel. Even our politics. It's interesting, J.D. warns about us becoming so affiliated with one political party that we close ourselves off to half the country will not listen to us. 
And that doesn't mean that we don't speak out on certain moral and cultural issues. Absolutely. But we still have to leave room for a gospel conversation with everybody. And above all other priorities, I'm amazed when I look inside churches today at their mission statements and their vision statements, just the misconstrued priorities in a church. Jesus told us to do one thing, make disciples of all nations and do it as you're going. The fishing expedition that used to be the church, I'll make you fishers of men, has become a project as keepers of the aquarium. And Jesus says, go, get out of your comfortable seats and make disciples of all nations. That'll happen when we elevate the gospel above all things. And, and then as we carry that gospel into the world, let's make sure that grace and truth are very close to one another. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. SomethingGoodRadio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. And when you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at SomethingGoodRadio.org. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience and what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, my relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. 
So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org and request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now with the second half of today's message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. I said, I said uh, the soil is the, is the gospel, grace is the water, our agricultural analogy here, and truth is the fertilizer and weed control. Now, I, I'm not a master landscaper, but I like a nice yard, I like a nice clean flower bed. Uh, sometimes I have to have people come do that for me because I, I have a very brown thumb, I've learned, <laughs> and my wife will say she does too. And when we have weed problems, you know, we need some extra help. But I always like a nice yard. Here's what I've learned about um, getting a nice, green, lush yard. You got to water it, and you got to fertilize it, and your fertilizer has to have some weed control in it. Okay? Pretty simple, isn't it? But uh, I, I don't always read the directions. I get a bag of fertilizer with some weed control, and I spread it out there. And, you know, a week later, my grass is all brown. Why? Because I forgot to read the directions that says, water it in frequently, okay? You just spread fertilizer on your yard, you're going to burn the grass, okay? Truth is the same way. If you don't water in the truth with the grace of God, you know what you'll do? You'll scorch the soul. So we need grace and truth. When John was introducing Jesus Christ through his gospel, he said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christmas, right? And then he goes on to say, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what people said about Jesus? He's so full of grace, even as he told us the truth. Even as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Even as he said, the truth will set you free, Jesus was never afraid to be the truth, but also to tell us the truth. But he always did so with grace. The grace of God was never far from the truth that made us realize we were, we were included in that phrase that says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When the woman caught in adultery was brought before Jesus, and the Pharisees had their rocks ready to stone her. Jesus wrote something in the ground that made them drop their stones and walk away. You can speculate as to what that might be, but Jesus turned to her and says, well, now where are your accusers? <laughs> and he told her, he says, fine, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. He didn't condone her sin. He called it sin. Go and sin no more. He told her the truth about her behavior. It's sin. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spread some, some fertilizer and weed control. I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm going to do it in a kind and gracious way to where the grace of God is not far from your sin if you're willing to accept it. 
We live in a world today, and I don't know how we got here, friends, where we've got this idea that if we disagree with somebody on any kind of an issue and we bring biblical truth to it, we're haters. Oh, don't hate on me that way. Come on now. The most loving thing I can do or any of us can do is tell somebody the truth. And it's not your version of the truth. It's not my version of the truth. This is the truth. And as long as we're faithful and true to the Word of God, okay, let's speak the truth in love. Let's be caretakers and stewards of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the rich soil of the gospel. But you got to spread the fertilizer and the weed control and water it in with grace. That's why when we talk about our mission, our vision, our strategy here at Atlantic Shores, we have five G's that make up our strategy. Gather, grow, give, go. (laughs) Fifth G is grace. Because if we do all this gathering and growing and going and giving, but we're not a grace-filled community, characterized by the supreme ethic of what it means to be a Christian, love, okay? If we can't speak the truth in love, the world will close us off. They won't listen to us. But isn't it wonderful how Paul writes this letter to the Colossians and he says, I see faith, hope, and love in you. It's what I hear about you. And I want to remind you about the gospel. And always make sure that in your gospel representation, grace and truth are in balance here. Last thing he says to them in verse 7, he says, just as you learned it, you learned it from Epaphras, our uh, beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. I put in your notes here this statement, when the gospel bears fruit, and Paul saw it bearing fruit in the, in the lives and the, the church in Colossae, and he says it's, it's bearing fruit and increasing all around the world. But I'm I'm talking about your place. It's bearing fruit right here. When the gospel bears fruit, it always comes by way of personal discipleship. It came because a guy named Epaphras, again, probably one of Paul's students, took the theology that he learned and didn't just grow bloated in his knowledge. He let it drip down to his hands and his feet. And he said, here am I, Lord, send me. Use me as a gospel representative. And he went to Colossae. And what they learned from Epaphras was faith, hope, and love. What they saw in him was the gospel of grace and truth at the same time. And maybe that said of us as well. Is the gospel bearing fruit in your life, friends? I hope it is. Maybe it's never been born in you. Maybe it's uh, never been planted in you. Somebody came up to us um, at the end of our vacation Bible school And you may not know this, but we have something called the birthday room that kids will go to. And uh, it's a certain time during the week after day one or two, kids are encouraged to go there to, you know, have a conversation about uh, uh, salvation and knowing Jesus. And they have a very kid-friendly way of introducing that. But uh, apparently one of the young children went home and told their mom, Mom, I I went to the birthday room today. And the mom, who didn't really understand the context of that, said, what do you mean the birthday room? You already have a birthday. And the little child, as only a child can say, says, no, mama, uh, the birthday room is where you meet Jesus. Everybody should have two birthdays. Isn't that great? 
Because Jesus said you must be born again. And that's the starting point of this gospel, this good news of our Lord Jesus Christ bearing fruit in your life, in my life, in our church, is we've got to get to the birthday room. And maybe that speaks to some of you here today who have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I also wonder, who's the Epaphras in your life who introduced the gospel to you? And to whom are you being an Epaphras? Because the gospel always comes through a human instrument, okay? God loves to use us that way. And I encourage you to make yourself available and say, Lord, here am I. Uh, send me. I'm in Christ. I'm at whatever place. Use me to, to make a difference. Thanks so much for being here with us for today's Something Good radio message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. And I am pleased to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones to the studio. Ron, you brought up the scene where Jesus is talking to the woman who was about to be stoned to death. You pointed to that as a great example of him showing us how to balance grace and truth. What are some of the other examples from Scripture and what can we learn from them? Great question, Brian, and I'm glad you asked it. Uh, let me very quickly mention three other examples. Right after the fall of man, God comes down and points out their sin and explains what the consequences will be. Uh, that's pure truth. But look at how gracefully he dealt with them. He sits down in the Garden of Eden with them, making clothes for them so that they can cover themselves. Such a beautiful picture of God's grace. He's helping them deal with the consequences just as he will help us deal with the consequences of our own sin. Second, consider the law of Moses itself, specifically the Ten Commandments. At first blush, it appears to be nothing but stone-cold truth, right? Do this or don't do that. But God's motive was rooted in grace. Without the law, without setting those clear boundaries, mankind would have behaved even worse than he already does. Having those clear boundaries helps to keep us from all-out rebellion and to keep us in proper fellowship with God. Sure, we fail sometimes, but without the published law, it would be much, much worse. Finally, consider the cross of Christ itself. The clear truth of the matter is that sin requires a blood sacrifice. A man must die. But the perfect blend of grace is that God says to us, instead of you paying the price yourself, I'll pay it for you. That right there is the greatest example of what the perfect blend of grace and truth look like, Christ dying for us. And that's why it's such good news. As to what we can learn from these examples or from this conversation, I'll say two things. First, think in your mind how you would handle certain situations, just like we're doing now. Talk about them. Consider in advance how a conversation might go with a friend or family member who is an atheist or uh, someone whose lifestyle is reckless or rebellious. Plan it out ahead so that you can prepare yourself to be gracious as well as truthful. You can't prepare for every single situation, but you can prepare for many of them. And above all else, if you err, err on the side of grace. The Bible very clearly tells us that mercy triumphs over justice. Don't be afraid that you're sacrificing truth in an effort to show love or mercy. God knows your heart. God knows your intent. Do your best to be graceful and truthful, but if you're unsure, 
Choose mercy and grace. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some additional thoughts about what it means to be filled with both grace and truth. Well, Ron, the past two days have been a great start to our journey through Colossians. What's coming our way next time as you continue your series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Brian, for the past couple of days, we talked a little about love, which is the fruit of our faith. Well, one of the ways we show love to others is by praying for them. Here in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Colossae that he and some of the other saints are praying for the members of that church. Not only does he tell them that he's praying, but he tells them for what he is praying. And this is a great model for us when we pray for our friends and loved ones. So that's where we're headed next time, Brian, a prescription for prayer. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, How to Pray for Others. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.